in the series. So we are in a series called Overflow, and it's based on this scripture from Luke, which uh, says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what we are full of is what comes out in our lives. And so some of us, you know, that makes perfect sense. We, we know, oh, sorry, it's kind of embarrassing. Hello? Yeah, I can't really talk right now. I'm right in the middle of something. <laughs> call, back, call back later. Okay. Anyway. anyway um, we're right, right in the middle of a series called Overflow. And so what we're full of is what comes, that makes sense to us, right? I mean, some of us know what's on the inside of us, and so it's no surprise what comes out. You know, some of us know that, you know, we, we're good at putting on a show when we're around the right group of people. And, and we can kind of act the right way, you know, so we can come to church and we can hang out with church people and we can act like church people. But then on Monday morning when we get into a, our work environment, we're totally different people because we know we're a little bit different on the inside than we're putting on other days of the week. Or we, we have, you know, kind of these different personas and personalities that we adopt and adapt to our environment with. And so, you know, we kind of become things as we go through our work week. So we realize that there's something not quite clicking right inside of us. And so if we're going to get this thing called discipleship or following Christ or being a disciple of Christ right, we need to go all the way back and dig down to the very root, to the very core of what powers us and causes us to be disciples. And so, so we started talking about love, not, not the world's love, but what is love as God defines love to be. And so we talked about that at the very beginning. If we're going to be full of God's love, which is what we need, what we need to be, then, then we need to understand what love is and contrast that with what the world says love is, because they're not. They're very much not the same thing. The second week we talked about motive. What is your motive in coming to Christ? And we looked at John chapter 6 where Jesus fed the 5,000 and he confronted the crowd who was coming to him for the free bread and the stuff that he was doing. You know, they weren't coming because they wanted to know Jesus and follow Jesus. They were coming because they wanted the free stuff. And so we asked ourselves, what is our motive in coming to Christ? Is your motive to get something out of God, to use God as a, as a genie in the sky to kind of grant you your wishes and be at your beck and call? Or are you coming to Christ, to know Christ, to love Christ, and to surrender your life to Christ. And then last week we talked about our identity and how our identity is what, what forms and needs to shape the basis for our beliefs and what we're going to talk about today in our actions. And so many of us, you know, we, we have identity, or we have our motives. We want to come to know Jesus, but our identity is still wrapped up in our own ability to do things, not in what Christ has already done for us. And Christ has already done a great thing for us, and so what we have to do is instead of trying to achieve our identity, we receive our identity. And so, so that's what we spent a lot of time last week talking about, receiving your identity in Christ and not working so hard to achieve it because you have already received it as a gift. Today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. This will be our main text. So I want to read these for us. To set the stage, and we're going to go back and work through it. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So there's exactly what we were talking about last week. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. This is, this is us. We have been raised with Christ. Our identity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and what that gives to us is His gift. We have receive this as a gift. Since we have received this, since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. Sorry, it's hard not to, it's hard to just read through something and not, and not teach at the same time. So I just want to try to read through it. <laughs> set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We said this last week, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. What? I'm just right in the middle of reading something really important and you keep interrupting me. It's like, like, you don't want me to get through this. I don't understand what is going on. Can you, can you just, just give me a minute? Yeah. 
Apparently, something, something very important that's, that's taking place here. Like, just silence your phone. I can't. That's an illustration. Where was I? Okay, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things, such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here... There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And like Russ was sharing with us earlier, be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So we have checked our motives. We're coming to Christ for the right reasons. And now, last week we talked about identity. We're receiving our identity. We're not achieving our identity. And a lot of, I think, uh, churches and pastors and teachers would want to stop there because that's where the feel-good stuff you know, really reigns and, and, and reigns supreme. But we can't stop there because... Jesus doesn't stop there. We can't stop there because the Bible doesn't stop there. And we can't stop there because if we stop there, we're missing the whole picture of God's promise of true life. And so we have to pay attention to these, which, by the way, if you do a search, and it would be a great search for you to do, do a search and go and look for the to put to death or put off, the things we're supposed to put to death and put off. And what you will discover is that the New Testament is full of the language put to death, put off, and put on. Why? I mean, why, why can't we just kind of end there? Why can't we just call it good? You know, we got, we got grace, we've got forgiveness, we got the good stuff, and why can't, is, I mean, if, if that's what God, God wanted to forgive me, you know, and God loves me so much that he wanted to forgive me and he wanted to give me this new life, then, you know, then we should be good, right? Then, well, if that was the way it worked, then the, what would happen would be that when, when God forgave us and we received God's grace, then the only option would be to call us up right at that moment out of earth and into his presence. Because there's, there's this whole thing that we, that we call life that we have to live. Like We're all still here, right? Everyone is still here. No, no one has, has, has yet left and gone to heaven, at least not that I, not that I know of when, when someone calls Christ, their Savior, now they're just, they're just gone. It's like we, we still have life that we have to, to live, and we have to learn how to live it according to God's design, and we have to, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> learn to put to death the things of the flesh. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self 
with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. You've taken off the old self, but, but as, as we see, this is something that Paul has to continue to address many, many times throughout the New Testament and the letters that he wrote to the different churches. This was something that was, that was an ongoing issue for the people who had, had come to Jesus and were now living in this new gospel-centered, life-giving community powered by the Holy Spirit, and yet there still seemed to be some struggle in doing this. And we can find examples of this in almost all of the letters that Paul wrote, as well as John and Peter. Let me give you another example. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Right? So, and we see this also in, in other parts in Romans and Corinthians where, where people were using their new freedom in Christ to indulge the flesh. They were, they were using their freedom in Christ as, as an excuse to say, well, I'm free, I've received grace, so I can do whatever I want because I have grace in Christ. But he says, don't do that. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, listen, here he's going to say a lot of the same things. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires, listen, the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality sounds familiar. Impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or peace, forbearance in this uh, translation, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So we're going to have to continue as we go through life to learn what it means to put the flesh to death. That's what, what Paul's talking about here. And at the same time, pursue life. Now, this is something that we will have to continue to do for the rest of our lives here on earth. There will be, there will be times where, you know, where, we, where we grow and we mature and we get easier uh, things get easier in terms of following Christ, but, but oftentimes what I've observed is what that means is that once you've kind of grown and maybe mastered in areas that you realize that there's a whole other area of attitudes and thoughts and thinking that you still have to deal with. And as you kind of grow beyond that, then, the, then you start to realize that there's still, there's still more. And, and this side of heaven, this is going to be an ongoing journey of following Christ. It's going to be an ongoing journey of learning to put the flesh to death and putting on the life of Christ. And it's something that we've been called to. This is something that we've been called to in Christ to do. And, and my whole point for this morning is, is that we have to… It's perfect timing. See, the flesh is going to come calling, right? The flesh is going to come calling, and, and we're going to have these things that stir up in us like anger or worry or doubt or fear, rage, malice, slander, idolatry, lust, evil desires, greed, impurity. All of these things are going to come calling. And one of the things that we have to do is to learn not to answer the phone, right? That's so why we, ha we have to learn that, that when these things come calling, you don't have to answer the phone anymore. Before Christ, when we were driven by the flesh, when we were driven, driven by the things of, of this life, and this life was the only thing that we knew, then, then of course we answered the phone because every time the phone calls, there's some, some physical fleshly reward that we get out of answering the phone. 
And so our brains and our minds get wired to be able to receive the good rewards that come when you answer this phone. And so that trains us to think that this is the good stuff in life. And then that trains us to think that, well, if I come into Jesus, then, then I have to put behind all of the good stuff, and I have to just put on this struggle and this pain and this just the burden of coming to Christ. And so a lot of us, I think, we don't really do it. Like, we want to come to Christ, we want the assurance of coming to Christ, but, but we, we still answer the phone. The phone rings, and we, and we just feel compelled. That's, that's the answer that we have. And I think what it comes down to, and we're going to get into this here in Colossians chapter 3, is one, idolatry. We think, we think we are the most important things on the planet, and we get to decide what we want for our own lives, and that's the best thing. And the second thing is, is I don't think we really trust God to be able to take him at his word. And we ask questions like, well, if God is really good, then why doesn't he let me have this? If God is, if God is really seeking you know, to, to give me the, this good life that he talks about, then, then why is this off limits? Why can't I do that? And we think, well, uh, if God loved me, then, then he would let me. And, and we say that. It's like, if God really loved me, he would let me X, Y, Z. If God really loved me, he would X, Y, Z. And, or we say things like, you know, I'm just going to worship God in my own way. It's like, you know, I, I, I want the good stuff, but, you know, I've kind of got my own thing that I'm doing, and so I'm not really going to listen to all the stuff that he says I can and I can't do. I'm just going to do it in my own way. And I cannot tell you how many times I've heard that when people say that to me. And as people outside the church say, you know, I, 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 do, I do this God thing in my own way, and what that means is you're your own God. When we say, I'm going to do God my own way, you are your own God. You are deciding what and who God is going to be for you. We don't get that power. We don't get to make that choice because we are not God. And if we're making that choice, we have not truly surrendered. We're still answering the phone of idolatry. We're making ourselves the most important thing. So as we go through this morning, I just, I just want you to think and just let God show you and maybe reveal things in your, in your heart and your mind where you've been answering the phone and you just need to stop answering. You just need to just let it ring. Just going to have to kind of get used to that ringtone. Just going to just maybe be there. May, maybe it'll go away. Maybe it'll never go away. But what is that thing where you just need to stop answering? And it's amazing how many times when you're, when you're actually coming to Christ and you're, you know, you're reading his word, how, how that, that thing will come calling right? It's like you're reading God's truth and, and you're wanting to just kind of be consumed with what God says about you, and yet right in the middle of this, for no apparent reason other than, than the seed has been planted by someone who's out for your destruction, you, you all of a sudden start hearing the phone ring of this or that or this or that. So we have to learn to stop answering the phone. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart, your hearts on things above where Christ is. Where is Christ? Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We've been raised with Christ. We have, we have put to death the flesh. We've been raised with Christ. We have this new life in Christ. And so what are we supposed to set on the things above? We're supposed to set our hearts and our minds on the things above. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It's our hearts and our minds that have to be set on things above. And I think it's that, it's that motives and, like we talked about last week, it's the beliefs, right? When we don't have the right beliefs based on our identity that God has given us in Christ, then, then the wrong beliefs can set us off track too. When our, our hearts and our motives can lead us off track and, and our minds and our beliefs that we wrongly and falsely believe can set us off track. So we have to set both our hearts, which is our motives, and our minds, which is our beliefs, our thoughts, our identity on Christ, on things above where Christ is, not on earthly things.
And then once we, once we understand that, then, then the rest of it is going to start to make sense. But if we don't get that, then we're going to constantly, continually struggle. For you died, verse 3, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. All of us, we talk about when we, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we're baptized, we'll, we'll say that we were buried with Him through baptism and raised to new life in Christ. Every time we celebrate baptism, that's what we're celebrating. Somebody who's been buried with Christ, we put to death the flesh through baptism, and then when we come up out of the water, it's the symbol of being raised to new life in Christ. We have put to death the old, and now we have received the new. You died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Jesus is life. And I think this is, this is a great struggle of our day because it's not just the phone that rings anymore. It's, it's Facebook, you know, it's, it's email. You're like, I mean, I'm getting all kinds of alerts because I, I get all kinds of alerts all the time. You know, nobody's texted in yet, but you'd hear a different alert for the text, right? Or, you know, Facebook notifications and, and all of the things. Like, we have all of these constant distractions that are, that are seeking to draw us away. And this, you know, maybe it's not for you, not, not the phone, but it's other things. It's TV, it's work, it's, it's your, your own ego or your own pursuits and your own desires that, that these things are really our life, and Jesus is just something we try to do when he fits in. It's like, like we, we want the security of Christ, but we don't really go to the effort of making him our life. And this is what Paul says here, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, Christ is is our life, our whole life. Jesus is supposed to be our, our whole life, and once we come into Christ, we're supposed to be about the process that we call a, of sanctification, of, of being set apart and, and tearing apart the dead flesh that is still pulling us into the things that we don't want to do and receiving this new life in Christ so that we can continually follow Him more and more. Perhaps a gross, gory illustration would help. I know, I know I've revealed to you and disappointed you with my, my, uh, my liking of The Walking Dead. But there's, just, there's so many good illustrations in, in, in The Walking Dead. And, and one of them is at the very beginning of the series. series. It's when, when Rick, you know, first kind of meets everybody and he's in the tank and he's by himself, you know, and and he's made this really big mistake of coming into downtown Atlanta, and he's putting himself at, at, at risk. And then, you know, Glenn calls on the radio and, and puts him down, calls him an idiot, and all those kinds of things. And so they end up trying to save Rick, and it, everything kind of goes awry, and they end up in this building. And so they have to come up with this other plan, and they're stuck in this building. And their plan is, if they can get to where they can see some vehicles then they can probably get out and, and get safe. But the problem is, it's like a couple of blocks away that they have to get. And so their plan is to kill some zombies and, and cover themselves in the stench and the stank and the grossness of their decaying flesh. And they think, if I can disguise myself in death, then we can get through to to our escape, right? And so, so that's what they do. They, they cover themselves in, in the decaying, rotting flesh of zombies. And then, I don't know if you know what happens, but, but what happens is all of a sudden, it starts to rain, right? And so they're walking by these zombies, and they're just kind of, you know, they're, they're disguised fairly well. But then it starts to rain, and the stench gets washed off, and all of a sudden, the things that they were just walking by are now chasing them. Right? And they only, have, they only have a few seconds to get the last you know, 30 or 40, 50 yards to get over the fence behind to where the vehicles are because the stench of death has been washed off and now they smell like life. And, and I think that's what happens for us so many times in the kingdom of God is that we think, well, I can still just kind of cover myself in the stench of death and, and kind of I can meander through the rest of, life, rest of death that is around me and, and be good. But what really happens is Christ wants to come in and he wants to wash it all off and give us this new life. So, so we should stand out when death is around us. 
We should smell like life when, when death is around us, and we have to ask ourselves the question, if we don't smell like life, if, if life is not radiating from us, then we have to ask the question, is Christ our life? Is Christ everything about life? Is Christ everything that drives life? It's like, it's not that, it's not that we just come and do Jesus on Sunday. It's that everything in life now becomes a Jesus conversation, right? Everything in life, from, from how we raise our kids, it's going to be, well, if we're going to talk about how we raise our kids, we're going to have to talk about Christ. If we're going to talk about, about how we do work, well, then we have to talk about Christ to understand why we work the way that we do. If we're going to talk about anything in life, we have to make it a Jesus conversation because Jesus is life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. I want to talk about that for just a second. We live in a world where we don't want to talk about sin, we don't want to talk about guilt, we don't want to talk about all of these realities of Scripture, and one of the ones that we don't want to talk about is wrath. To address an issue, people are saying... uh, that Hurricane Harvey is a, a result of God judging Houston, and we just need to be very careful about, about, about becoming God and, and blaming Him for things. Could it be? Sure, I suppose. Is it? See, I think we're so judgmental and, and judging, we're so used to passing judgment on people that, that there's just kind of this deathly, fleshly thing that, that, we, that makes us feel good. Well, they're, they're getting what they deserve. But we have to think that through because, well, what about, what about all the believers who are in that area? I know, I know several pastors in that area. I, was, I shared some pictures with Becky throughout the week of their churches flooded. So is this, is this God's judgment on that church? Is this God's judgment on all the followers of Jesus Christ who are in that area? So, well, you know, some of the good go, well, that's, that's, a hard, that's a hard one to, to pass when you read the rest of the Bible, especially the Old Testament. Was it Lot? Was it Lot who was... If, there's, if, if there be a hundred, or if I, if I can find 50 who worship Jehovah, how about if I can just find 10, will you, with, will you not destroy? God seems to be a lot more gracious than we are. We seem pretty quick to pass judgment on people. That wasn't really my point. Anyway, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Sin, guilt, shame, this life here on earth apart from God attacks God's most prized creation. Sin attacks the thing that is attacking, sin sin attacks the thing that is most important to God. Sin is attacking us. You know, the, the curse is, is bringing us down into death. And if you don't think that God is going to be serious about dealing with those things that are destroying his children, well, then we don't really understand God because you're more important to him than the things. You're more important to him than, than the sin. You're more important to him than, than the sexual immorality, the impurity, the lust, the evil desires, the greed, all of these things. You're more important to him than those things. And God wants to see you have the life and the peace and the joy that we're going to talk about in just a minute that comes from his life. And so he's going to be very serious about dealing with these things. And yes, the wrath of God is coming. Now, we who are in Christ, we have the assurance that we will not have to face that wrath. We who are in Christ, we, we don't have to worry about that wrath. We don't have to worry about those things that, that are scary about God's wrath because we have been hidden in Christ, and so we don't have those concerns any longer. 
But you better believe that God is going to be serious about those things that are attacking his most prized creation. You don't believe me? Let's go look at uh, Genesis chapter 1. We read this passage all the time, but maybe never from this point of view. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. This is the narrative of, of all of creation. You know, the first day God did this, second day God did this, the third day God did this, and it was good, right? That's kind of the, the poetry of the stories. On the first day God did this, and it was good. The second day God did this, and it was good. The third day God did this, and it was good. The fourth day, the fifth day. And then on the sixth day, it says, Then God said, Let us make man and mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. This is the only point in this whole first narrative of, of the creation where, where it's repeated what God did. The rest of the time, it just kind of goes on and says, it was good. But here, we repeat it because it's significant. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I will give every green plant for food. And it was so. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and this is the first time we hear something different. It wasn't just good, it was very good. People are God's most prized creation. They're the ones that he says about us that, that we are going to rule over all of creation, that, that we are, our, our call in life is to fill the earth and subdue it, to, to put it under our control. In fact, elsewhere in Scripture we read that he created these things for our pleasure, that, that we should be able to enjoy all of this creation that he has given to us. We are the most prized creation of all created things. And God is going to take it very seriously, anything that attacks his most prized creation. Verse 7, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. Since, why, are, why aren't we supposed to lie to each other? Why are we supposed to rid ourselves of anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language? Why are we supposed to do this? Because we have taken off our old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. We are being renewed in the image of the creator in which we were once created and then the fall came and everything went wrong, and now we're being renewed in that image and knowledge. So there are all these practices, but there are also all of these judgments and these comparisons that we're not supposed to make. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, by barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all, and Christ is all and is in all. When we're in Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and is in all. That's, we're going to talk more about that next week. Put it to death. Stop answering the phone of these things. When these things call, and there's more, there are more lists throughout the New Testament that you can go look at about the things that we're supposed to put to death. But I want to spend the rest of our time looking at the things that we're supposed to put on. So we're talking about the overflow of our heart, and in that same passage it talks about make the tree good and the fruit will be good. And so we want to be, we want to be lives that produce good fruit. And so chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen, chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, 
We're not supposed to clothe ourselves with death. We're not supposed to to cover ourselves in the stench of death and, and the old life that once was. We're not supposed to continue to put those things on. What we're supposed to put on are the clothing, are the, are the pieces of life that, that we're supposed to cover ourselves in. It's compassion, it's kindness, it's humility, gentleness, and, and patience. It looks like bearing with each other. It looks like forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone we're supposed to forgive, just as we have been forgiven. We don't forgive uh, you know, as, as much as we feel like forgiven. We forgive in the way that we have been forgiven, which is Christ has forgiven us of everything. So we forgive one another the way that we have received forgiveness, but we can't truly forgive the way Christ forgave us if we're trying to achieve our own identity. We have to receive it. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Listen to the language of life. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Does that sound like the world that's around us? Like, does that sound like something that is ruling the day out in the world that we see and we watch and we observe and we live in all week? Do you see it being ruled by peace? Do you see gratitude. Be thankful. And let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You see, I think a lot of times we even have a hard time receiving God's truth from other believers because we're achieving our own identity. And we're working so hard to achieve something that when someone comes in and says, hey, you know, God, God just really put it on my heart to share this with you, we receive it as an offense because we have, we think, achieved a certain level of sanctity. But when we're walking with Christ in humble community, then all of a sudden it becomes, hey, you know what? Let's just all help one another walk better with Christ. Let's all help one another live better with Christ. Let's all help one another be examples of the light and the peace that we've been called into. Let's, let's help one another put on the right stuff and, and, and put off the wrong stuff. Verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, so it's not just on Sundays, it's not just when you feel like talking about Jesus, it's in whatever we do, whether in word or deed. So whether it's something that we say or it's an action, it's, it's, we're supposed to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to finish here. Verse 19 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Stop answering the phone on these things. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, when the phone rings for your own selfish ambition, we've got to stop answering it. Dissensions, that's a popular one today. When we, when we feel driven to, to kind of create dissensions among, among either the body of Christ or even outside of here, we have to stop answering that phone. Factions, there shouldn't be factions and divisions. We should be seeking unity. Stop answering the phone and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's making it clear that if you embrace these things and if this is the life that we're living, then we're not going to be the ones who inherit the kingdom of God. We can't just come to Christ and keep indulging the flesh. We have to put the flesh to death and put on the new life, which is this, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. This is the life that God has called us to. But before we switch back into religion and think this is something that I have to do in my own strength and my own power, we need to understand that if Christ has given us this life, then he also has given us the power to live this life. 
And so we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why, that's why it's very important that we read all of Scripture. And just like we read in Colossians chapter 3, it's very important that we understand that set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Christ is in heaven, and he went back to heaven on purpose so he could send the Holy Spirit to dwell in and live in all of the believers to empower us to live life and to set us free from death so that we could experience freedom in Christ. And so Jesus, Christ, God, the, the Trinity, will not call us to do something that he's not going to give us the power to do. He's giving us the power to live this life, and so what we have to learn to do is just to put it on more and more and more each day. Not to try to achieve it, not to try to, to get there on our own strength, on our own power. And in fact, if you've ever done that, which I have in my, in my life, what you understand is that becomes very draining and very tiring and very exhausting very quickly. But instead, it becomes this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is what it's supposed to become for us. We, we're working out our salvation, and it is God who is working in us to will and to act in accordance with his good purpose, to fulfill his good purpose in our lives. We've received the gift of salvation, but we have to continue to work out the, the gift of salvation. We should never stop once we've just received it and try to live as the Galatians were, indulging the flesh because we've received the freedom of Christ. No, what we have to continue to do is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling as God continues to call us into this new life. He's given us the power. He's going to work it out in us, but we have to be faithful to continue to ignore the phone. Maybe we just need to put on... It was the best we can to just put it on silence. Just do not disturb. Leave me alone. And we just start pursuing the things of God. But it's born out of motives. It's born out of identity. We don't jump to this step, which is the mistake that I and so many of us have made in the past. We, we jump right to the to the to-do list, right? The to-dos and the to-don'ts, like we're reading, it's like, well, we just see this, okay, these are the do's I have to do, and these are the don'ts I'm not supposed to do, so this is just, I'm going to start working in my own strength, but, but we never really started in the right place. We didn't come to Christ with the right motives, and we didn't receive the identity, so we're trying to do this in our own power, not in Christ's power, and so we're constantly exhausted, and no wonder we're constantly failing is because we can't possibly do this on our own, but Christ, who is all and is in all, wants to empower us to live this kind of life. And like we learned in our study in Ephesians is that it's not for our motives, it's not for our own ego, but it's that we may live our lives for the praise of his glory. Put off and put on. Put to death and receive this new life. I just want to say as we kind of wrap this up that this isn't going to be a perfect pursuit for anyone. And that our enemy roaring, roaring like a lion, just roaming around trying to catch us off guard and, and draw us into these things, that, that when we stumble, when we answer the phone, is going to seek to then bring in and shower condemnation on each and every one of us. But that is not the identity that we've received in Jesus Christ. That is not the gift that we've received. In fact, that's just something we have to learn to put off. Romans chapter 8 says, Therefore, there is now no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was 
weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with, what the, with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, listen. Here's a you statement like we talked about. This is an identity statement like we talked about last week. When, when God says, you are this, then we need to pay attention because this is who we are in Christ. It says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh. Our obligation is not to answer that phone every time it rings to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Don't you want to be a child of God? We're children of God. That is your identity. That's who we are. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. We call Him Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Will you stand with me? I just want to ask again, like we did last week, if everyone would bow their head and close their eyes, nobody looking around, nobody peeking, looking to see what's going on as the worship team comes. I just want to ask, because I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just, just want to pray for you to be able to encourage you and to know how to lead you as best I can. Is there anyone here this morning that you would say that I'm ready to stop answering the phone, that I've been answering the phone for a long time and I'm just ready, I'm just going to let it ring and I'm just ready to receive this gift of life and the, the power of the Spirit to embrace and live this new life and I just, I just want to maybe recommit this passion of my life and just recommit at this point in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pursuing life and, and putting off death. Is there anyone here who's who wants to do that, saying, I've been answering the phone too long. It's time for me to, to stop answering the phone. I'm ready to start living life. If you are one of those, then would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. There's several hands going up this morning. I just want to pray. My, my desire is to help you and that you would receive this gift that God wants to give to you. Father, you know you know the hearts of the hands that were raised. You know without me calling anyone out or trying to embarrass anyone that you know exactly what is in their heart. You know exactly what, what, uh, what calls they've been answering on the phone. You know some of the ongoing struggles that they've been facing. You know some of the things that continue to, to continue to just kind of trigger the flesh. I don't know what they are, but you know what they are and you've brought them to mind and you want this morning for them to be set free from that and that is what you give us in your spirit, freedom. Father, I pray for them that, that they would receive right now just another a fresh filling and indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the power of the Spirit to help them live this life that you've called them to live. May they receive your spirit of life, the spirit of peace, the spirit of hope, the spirit of truth. 
to help them live out these things in their lives, that, that they would see now that they have the power of the Spirit to do this and that you will not call them to do something that you don't empower them to do. And so you've given them the power to live this kind of life. And where we are all weak, that is where we are strongest. Where we are weak and not relying on our own ability, but we're relying on the strength of the Spirit in us, that is where we find true strength. For all of us, Father, I pray in this moment that we have this morning, that you remind us clearly that it was the work that you did on the cross that gives us this freedom. It is not our own ability to achieve it. And that as we embrace our identity in you, that, that, that we also have this new life that you want us to live out, that, that you're not okay with us just, just receiving forgiveness and then going on to live in the ways of death, but that you want us to put to death the misdeeds of the body and now receive the new deeds of the body, the new deeds of the body, which are life. You want us to have true life. You designed this life in a way that we could thrive if we live according to your rules, and that's the life you have for us. Father, help us to put to death those ideas that we have from the old life and to receive this new gift of life you have for us. Any area of our life where we're still answering the phone, Father, I pray when that phone rings today, when that phone rings maybe even right now or that phone rings throughout the course of this week, give us the power through your Spirit to just let it go to voicemail. then delete the message. And then take the phone and smash it. Bury it out in the dirt. Rent a backhoe and dig up the dirt and go dump it into the ocean. Rent a submarine. Torpedo the tar out of that thing. Just leave it behind for good. Father, may we walk towards the life that you have for us. May we embrace this life. And not only that we may enjoy life, but that there those who are outside who are still longing for something more than sin and death has to offer, that they may see your life in us and that they may be drawn to you. Not us. Not, not the righteousness we've achieved in our own strength and our own ability, but that they may be drawn to you in us, the hope of glory for them. And may all of our motives be the praise of your glory. May we lay our motives down this morning and, and just pick up the motive of living a life for the praise of your glorious name. That's why we sing. That's why we worship. That's why we give, that's why we live, that's why we do everything for the praise of your glory and it's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.